Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are The Shadow and The Phantom. That's not the Phantom of the Opera. That's not the Phantom of the Paradise. It's just the guy in the purple jammies. And The Shadow's nose. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. It's the, it's the second also a holiday in Canada. <laughs> no, but the second is when I'm taking my kid away for his birthday present. I was, I was getting ready to say, if I swear to God, if fucking Canada gets a fucking bonus holiday on every holiday... I'm just gonna burn this bitch down. I'm sick of you motherfuckers in your healthcare, in your fucking polite society. Fuck you. I, I all of you fucking are killed by French speaking savages. It's it's not Doug's fault, it's just the exchange rate. Yeah, you guys you guys have a dollar that's worth something on the international market. Get a bunch of days off and we get to go to the doctor if we need to. Guys, topic change. We're getting everyone's getting sad. Yeah, let's what? talk about a time when America wasn't bad, like the 1930s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember that guy who uh, controlled a lot of opium and then turned into a superhero? Do you want to talk about the shadow, Noah? The shadow knows. Uh, so the shadow is based off of a comic strip slash comic book slash... <laughs> old serials uh there was a lot the fucking radio show the mm-hmm. shadow was fucking all over the place uh starring uh, a bald one does it matter which one? <laughs> well there's a distinct difference between alec and then the rest so it's a pretty steep <laughs> pretty steep uh, drop off after that it's the it's the, is a distinct it, difference now there wasn't that much of a difference in 1996 yeah I mean, it's, Bi- it's Bi- the, Billy wasn't as far of a drop off, but I mean, after that, it's yeah. It's the starring starring the Baldwin that's a good actor and a terrible person, rather than a bad <laughs> actor and a terrible person. <laughs> you got to be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we've got Alec Baldwin, who plays Lamont Cranston, who is a bad dude. With creepy fingernails and and Alec Baldwin with long hair is not right. Did I mention no, that? No. That's fucking. That's the weirdest part of this whole fucking movie. Him with the long hair at the beginning. You're like, hmm, I don't like that. The long hair and then he's shirtless and he's so fucking hairy on his chest as well. So it's really hard to tell where the long hair ends and the chest hair starts. Right. You found that I, problematic. I also found that problematic. Yeah, they're trying to like make him look like some kind of like sexy savage. 
and I don't think either of those things work off. He just comes off like a like a menacing pedophile or something. It's gross. Well, he looks it's also sleazy. Something to do with the way the tone of it is. It feels like he's just. It's like if a kid was trying to dress up as that character and didn't quite have the money for a real costume, so they just kind of pieced it together. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all yeah. very it's very upsetting. Yeah. So, so as a redemption for all of his evil deeds as a I'm Tibetan warlord, I don't know. <laughs> it's very confusing of what his I did not status understand is. what the hell was going on there. Appar- apparently he's an ex-American soldier that went there and basically became like a, a warlord. He, he just took over a bunch of land and started being a douchebag. That's what the fuck that was about? Yeah. I have, I've rewatched that opening twice to try to figure out what's going on, and I never got anywhere near that. So thank you for clarifying. Yep. So he is uh, abducted by a small, mystical Asian child with a deep man voice. Uh, who tells him that he's going to redeem him and teach him a bunch of cool magic-y shit so that he can go out and uh, redeem all the bad things he's done by force, which is the funniest thing. We've got an unwilling (laughs) guy. He doesn't doesn't want to be a good guy, and this kid's like, fuck you! (laughs) I'm about to good the shit out of you, you piece of shit. Uh, So he goes... He learns all the cool ability to cloud the mind of men, which is basically hypnosis. He can make people think that he's invisible, kind of, except for his shadow. Uh, and he goes back to New York and uh, does does that. And what we get is cool uh, kind of roaring 20s-esque. I guess, I guess it'd be post that since they're all drinking booze. So what, maybe 40s, 50s? I think it's supposed to be thirty. I think it's supposed to be just before World War Two. So late yeah, 30s. yeah, I thought it was late thirties as well. Yeah, and so he's off doing that cool shit, uh, and then the great 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 grandson of Genghis Khan shows up, who has also learned cool hypnosis powers, and who, uh, they come uh, into conflict. He claims to be the last descendant of Genghis Khan, but that's a load of bullshit. There's a, there's like a bajillion descendants of Genghis yeah. Khan. So he yeah. raped he raped so many people that like most of Asia is a descendant of Genghis Khan at this point. Right. Every every Mongolian person is a descendant of Genghis Khan somehow. Well, I think even a lot of others. I think if uh, I don't know all the details, but I'm pretty sure genetically there's a lot of descendants of Genghis Khan who don't even know it just because they conquered at some point. Street and it was spread so far. Right. Uh, yeah, and so they come into conflict. That dude's building some kind of bronzium atomic bomb thing, I guess. And he's going to blow the shit out of a bunch of stuff for vague purposes. I don't know. I don't, I don't really Somehow he's going to set off a bomb in the middle of New York City and then he'll take over the world. But I didn't yeah. quite get the steps. I don't know how he got from one to the other. Which, I mean, if we're basing a movie off of, uh, you know, a 19, like, 30s comic book, I that's almost justified. That's kind of like the way the plots of those things work. So, <laughs> so, so I, I'd say we could just roll with that. Uh, I would say the, the first big note about this movie, Jesus, fuck, it's got a great cast. I, I didn't remember it having all these people in it. <laughs> I completely forgot Tim Curry was in it. 
No shit. Tim Curry. Uh, uh, God damn it. Why is my brain not working? Ian McKellen. Ian yeah. yeah. Ian McKellen getting, I, I would argue, not uh, being used to the best of his abilities now that we know what he can do in comic <laughs> book movies. Uh, Peter Boyle. We should mention uh, part of the theme this week is pulp heroes who traverse their city in cabs. Yeah, that was a, a secondary <laughs> plot point in all of these. <laughs> it was super weird. I feel like maybe that's a callback. Like we're like in the '30s was like actually having cars that were cabs. Was that a new thing? Mm. Is that maybe why they showed up and stuff like this? I don't, I don't know. know. It's very strange that cabs play such an important role in this. <laughs> I don't know. I know in the in the comic book and stuff, in the shadow at least, the the cabbie guy is a big character. Mm. Okay. Phantom, I'm not quite sure, but I, 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 I didn't read as much Phantom, so. Weirdly enough, they did it in the Constantine series, too, when it was on. That's true. Maybe it's just a New York thing. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's crowded streets. It's hard to find parking. You don't want to be driving around trying to figure stuff out easier to just have a cab on call uh, so no it sounds like you were pretty positive on this movie you know what i i went into it thinking that i was gonna be positive on it and i mm-hmm. think i came out way more positive than i thought i was gonna be because i remember I, rem- I just remember this movie being okay mm-hmm. and me liking it because i like the shadow and on this rewatch i was like you know what this was a good fucking movie. Like the the cinematography's really good. The special effects for when this movie came out are fucking phenomenal. Like that the CGI is real clean for for what? It was like real early 2000s, right? Uh, yeah, this is 96. 96. No, 94. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 94. Yeah, yeah. see so 90s, is 96. Right? I I mean Come on now, that the CGI is clean, real clean. Hmm. I, I agree with that. The effects in yeah. this movie are fantastic for the time. Like right away, that opening scene where there's like a a dagger that has a face on it that can bite him and stab him mm-hmm. that is flying around, and you're just like that. Like that almost looked as good as what I would expect from a low budget movie today. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and. Uh... Yeah, like I said, I don't, I, I really don't have a lot negative to say about this. I think maybe the things I didn't like about this the first time I saw it back in the day was that I wanted it to be Tim Burton Batman, and I was mm-hmm. kind of grading it on that scale, which isn't really fair. You know what I mean? <laughs> hmm. That's weird because I actually felt like there was a lot of Tim Burton's Batman in this. I think there was, but mm-hmm. once again, to, I think we can all agree that even even if you're positive on this movie. Tim Burton's Batman's a better movie. Like, it just mm. is. Well, the Batman is a more interesting character than the Shadow. Is not, and the, certainly the Joker is a more interesting villain than Genghis Khan's potentially last grandson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, I don't know what they had to work with, but uh, like, I'm not positive on this movie. I'll just say that. I don't feel like, like other than the visual effects, I don't think anything works. Um, I find the storyline to be boring. Like I just, I, I don't, 
the whole thing with Genghis Khan's kid shows up and I feel like the movie stops and like takes a beat and we're supposed to give a shit and I'm like I, I just don't um, and there, that happened a lot like that happened when they did the whole thing with the, the one big building that nobody could see and I'm like that isn't interesting at all to me and this movie seems to rely on people finding that interesting to enjoy it I found the tone was just it, and again, like it looked good, so I know they had the budget and the ability to do what they wanted to do. I just don't like what they did. I, I found tonally like there's the scenes where he's in his shadow format and nobody can see him, and he's like punching guys, but it's kind of playing it off really cheesy and kind of campy, and I don't find that well done. Like you could add a real like dark kind of horror-y element to it. That's maybe if this were Tim Burton's Batman, that's probably what he would have done, and it could have been really interesting to see these like mobsters getting punched around and like that that voice that Alec Baldwin voice is a cool voice for this it's completely misused where he could be like very intimidating and almost frightening and instead it's just it feels like a joke and I found the whole movie was kind of like that there's a scene towards the end where he's trapped in like a water container thing whatever whatever that thing was he was in and they filled it with water and he's there's bullet holes so he's using them to suck air out and I'm like okay that's kind of interesting that they took the time to have him go and suck the air out of that bullet hole so that he doesn't drown mm-hmm. but then he does it once and now he can breathe for like 15 minutes underwater and I'm just like I don't know that you can kind of have it both ways either he's the superhero character who can just somehow hold his breath this whole time or he needs to go get air from the bullet holes and that's kind of interesting to watch but he can't get air from a bullet hole once and then hang out in there for 10 minutes and speak <laughs> underwater and somehow still be able to breathe it, I, I just yeah I just didn't like it at the, at the end when the giant bomb started rolling around and Ian McClelland and is like in this all of a sudden he's in like a fucking slapstick comedy film chasing this ball around a hotel and it's like rolling through elevator shafts and he's chasing it around I'm just like I found it all just nearly unwatchable. I, I, I wouldn't have watched this whole movie if I didn't have to for this podcast. I don't See, I, mm. I feel like all that stuff played off really well because it plays off the same way that like uh, Flash Gordon does in which they're trying to mimic that hokey serial stuff in those parts and I, I think it just, I don't know, it, See, it plays off like that. For me, the difference is with Flash Gordon is they ramped it up enough that you were kind of laughing and going along with it the whole time on that. Like they, they camped it up so much that you either had to like buy in and just go, okay, this is fucking crazy, or not. And I feel like in this movie, they kind of didn't, they didn't go far enough in that direction to get me on board, and they also didn't treat it serious enough. So you get this weird sort of middle ground that is just uninteresting. And you know, like the the big thing moment for me is when they finally realize that that building is invisible, and they spend several like minutes. It feels like, and he's like, "Oh my god, there is a building there, and nobody else knows about it." And, and I'm like, "Who gives a shit?" Honestly, like they like this guy hypnotized the whole city of New York to think that a building was torn down when it wasn't, just so he could build a bomb in the building. But why couldn't he just build the bomb in the basement and lock the door? Wouldn't that accomplish the same thing? <laughs> and just it, it just felt like I, I, I don't know. I feel like, like they were, they were I trying feel like to make you all these read a lot of moments. golden age comic books, Doug. And that's very plausible. And again, like not everything, 
Not everything that worked in a 1930s comic book belongs in a 1990s movie. So maybe that is the issue. Maybe they are sticking to I definitely think with the next movie we're going to talk about, I think they stuck a little too closely to the source material and it hurt it. Um, but with this one, maybe that's the same case. I just feel like, I don't know. I, I don't know what the point to anything that happened in this movie was. Every time, every time something happened, I'm just like, that's not, I don't care. Like, and again, like even like the cabbie guy, like you're telling me that he was a returning character from the comic books. But if you didn't know that going in, then why do we keep coming back to this cabbie guy? He's not like, he's not funny. He's not, you know, you an interesting think the cabbie guy was funny. I thought he was the funniest part of the whole movie. Well, even if he's, I'll, I'll take it that he was the funniest part of the whole movie. I just said he wasn't funny. Shots fired at Peter Boyle. <laughs> I, I, I'm not blaming God, any of the actors. Who knows what shade lies in the heart? <laughs> I'm, I'm not blaming any of the actors, just so we're clear. I think they're, the performances tonally are all very similar. It's the tone that I don't like, and that's established at a higher level. So it's not, it's not the actors. It's not... It's the writer and the directors and producers and that that have just made, I think, wrong decisions at an early level in this movie and just set themselves up for failure. Hmm. Well, once again, I'm kind of between both of you. <laughs> I remember when it came out, I went and saw it in the theater, and I walked out thinking... Yeah, that's all right, I guess. And I have not watched it since. And I rewatched it and was like, yeah, it's about as okay as I remember it. And I'm not really super positive on it, and I'm not overly negative on it. It's just, yeah, it's okay. Could have been worse. Maybe, maybe I'm biased because I like the shadow in general. And, and that's very that could very well be true. Like this might be an accurate representation of that character. Maybe the character doesn't appeal to me. I don't know because I've never, I've only seen this, and I've only seen this one and a half times because I watched mm-hmm. it once, and then I went back and rewatched the beginning to try to understand what the hell was going on in the beginning. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a character that's changed a lot over the years. It kind of mm-hmm. like the the more moderny versions of the shadow. It's it's a lot darker and. And I think I would like that. Like I think, that, like I think, when he's kind of invisible to his enemies, and he's, you know, physically knocking them around and then threatening them, and he's telling that one guy, like, "You've committed a murder. You're going to confess to it, or I'm just going to keep showing up and smacking you in the mouth." Like, <laughs> I'm like that's that can be some dark shit. Like, and you could have that be a really kind of scary character, and that would be interesting to me. The way it's played in this movie, it's just it's. It's sort of like it's campy, and then with his appearance, he ends up looking a lot like Darkman, which I think Darkman probably borrowed the look from this character. But yeah, well, there's a there's a there's a direct connection. Borrowed everything from this character. So there's a direct connection. So continue, Doug. Yeah, no, and and that's I'm I was assuming Darkman got the look from here based on how close it is, and you know, knowing that this is a character that Emery's probably familiar with. And I'm just like, yeah, so camp it up as much as Darkman does, because that movie's awesome, right? So we, we know yeah. you could go that level of camp, and it could work, but they just either did, had a director who couldn't or wouldn't do that. Hmm. Yeah, Sam Raimi uh, lobbied to direct this movie because he loves The Shadow, and he was not... The studio did not feel he was proven enough to 
carry such a big movie, so he did not get it. So in retaliation, he went and created Darkman instead. Okay. Also, Bruce Bruce Campbell was in the running to play the Shadow in this. Yeah. Yeah, he. And I think he would have been a better choice because he would have brought that increased level of camp to it. That would have made it. Wouldn't have made it felt so middle ground, and it wouldn't. Have, you don't. You can never be bored watching Bruce Campbell act. So. If I remember right, this this film got stuck in like production hell for a really really long time before it got made, hmm. and they went through like fifteen different actors that were supposed to be the shadow. <laughs> but, yeah, and they end up on Alec Baldwin, which is I don't know, maybe it's just hindsight, but it's just sort of an odd choice. I know he was much more of like a leading man back then, but I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I I kind of agree with. Doug on one thing though so when he's not being Lamont Cranston whenever he mm. is the shadow and he's got the scarf on his face so you're not like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a lot of acting chops involved with the facial expressions and stuff I think Alec, Alec Baldwin's voice is perfect for the shadow because he's kind of mm. got that sort of deep rumbly and that, that laugh he does is pretty crazy I dig that and all that, but but the problem is, is, I think every time you take him out of the shadow costume, it's like, ah, fuck, it's Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Weirdly enough, I thought he actually looked more like Billy Baldwin when he was like had the scarf and the hat and stuff on. I think I think Billy Baldwin just has like a bigger nose, so maybe that was part of it. That's funny. Maybe Billy Baldwin is just stunt double. Who knows? <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? I think if they would just uh, if it had been Sam <laughs> Sam Raimi. <laughs> Do, doing this movie, I think I think that would have fucking nailed it. I think that the, yeah. the original character with with him behind the wheel, and even like because Liam Neeson's got the crazy voice too. So you, you just take the cast of that movie, put them into this movie, and it's it's an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely like I, I feel like Dark Man is such a complete step up from this movie, with probably like. Five percent of the budget that they had for this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Like if Sam Raimi had had the budget for this movie and the access to use the characters that he already was familiar with and stuff, you know, not starting <laughs> completely from scratch. Imagine what he could have done. Although I'd say the funny thing is, I think the Shadow might actually have better visual effects than Darkman does. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a budget. That's a, the, completely yeah. the budget. If Raimi would have had this budget, it would have. He could have done amazing things with it. Again, like the the CGI in this movie from a nineteen ninety four movie, mm-hmm. you would not laugh at it today if it came out in a brand new movie. And there are no other movies I can think of from nineteen ninety four where the CGI holds up. Mm-hmm. It's it really is fantastic that they were able to accomplish what they did. Um, you know, it's just I, I don't like the way it was used, but was in charge of the effects hopefully they got a lot of credit yeah uh, I don't know anything else I don't, I don't have know, much I else to say I think it's, it's, it's hard to it's a hard movie to sell for a lot of reasons because <laughs> what mm-hmm. am I going to say if you're looking for uh, a comic book movie from around this time there's two or three choices that are better than this movie <laughs> but if you're a shadow fan, it's good. It's a, it really is a good shadow movie. Like it's it's not as good as it could have been, and it's after rewatching it, I was like, you know what? They should re- fucking remake this movie like today. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think down this is a good time. We, we've got superhero movies all over the place, but we don't really have a lot. Of, we've got a lot of retro stuff, but we don't have a lot of pulp revival going on. Mm-hmm. And maybe somebody with a good eye for like a dark movie with a good sense of humor could make a fucking awesome shadow. Do we know sort of what the rights situation are with stuff like this in the Phantom and whatever? I have no fucking idea. If they've fallen into public domain or anything yet? I don't I don't think so because up until recently the shadow was still being published. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just being published by some third rate uh, comic book line, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. Like big two. Yeah, Dynamite was publishing stuff for yeah, a while. Yeah, Dynamite. They did, uh, at least within the past 10 years, they did a Batman Shadow crossover, which I remember being somewhat decent, but it's been forever. I just feel like if if you could get enough of these old pulp heroes with everybody really wanting their own cinematic universe stuff. Um, universe. Yeah, you could, uh, you could grab, I mean, obviously like this and the, the Phantom, which is why we teamed them up, seemed like they would fit together really well. Add in something like Tarzan, even though maybe his origin is a little too much like the Phantoms. I mean, you could, you could even slap Flash Gordon in there. Yeah. It just seems like he could have a lot of fun. That could be really interesting. And you could have, you know, because the Shadow would obviously be the darkest of those characters. And, you know, his interactions with uh, some of the other characters would almost be like Spider-Man Mark and the Spider-Verse movie. It'd just being mm. so much darker and more over the top and just the right guy playing that role make it perfect right mm-hmm. I think there's like I, I do think there's a lot of room in this shadow movie for something good to happen I think there's kind of the bones of a story there it's it's really a tonal decision that I just for me made the movie very uninteresting that and the fact that there's like a spot in the middle where they couldn't afford to film some stuff so they just put an explanation card up <laughs> yeah that was weird <laughs> was it was it like 10 minutes in or whatever after he like after he has his battle with the thing and they're like and after we spent all that money on CGI we cannot afford to film a montage so here's some words <laughs> scrolling across your big screen explaining what happened over the next seven years I don't know see I think that was supposed to be another throwback to the old uh, movie theater serials but the but the problem is is if you're going to do that once you should have done it two or three times yeah you know what you're right if it had happened a few mm. times it would have started to feel like that and again, too, I think maybe part of the problem with having such good visual effects is, well, how do you make it feel like a throwback when everything looks so good visually? Maybe you need to make those practical effects and they look a little cheesier, but they feel like something that could have happened in a serial from the 30s, and therefore it maintains that sort of atmosphere. Mm, yeah. Again, either make it full campy or make it a little more serious. I think it's the attempt to go kind of halfway that screwed everything up, and this is the same problem. What Noah's saying, yeah, like, if you're going to make these references back to the old serials, then make references back to the old serials throughout the movie, not just one or two here and there, because that's... that now it's something that pulls you out of the movie instead of something that feels like a natural part of it. Yeah. It's it's like they dipped their toes into a bunch of things, but they didn't commit to anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not like... I think they could, if they'd committed one way or the other, I think I would have enjoyed this movie a lot more in, in, compared to just this very, very mediocre kind of blahness that we got, in my opinion. But would you have enjoyed it enough as 
motherfucking Billy Zane in a purple ass suit. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this when it comes to the two movies this week, it's like the shadow is the definition of like a non superhero outfit. It's something you could wear walking down the street and then he just pulls that thing up over his face when he wants to go incognito. Billy Zane cannot go incognito. Well, there's, there's something timelessly classic about the look of the shadow too because basically his outfit's just solid black and then that deep scarlet red and yeah. that that look is fucking awesome it was awesome in the fucking 20s and it's awesome now you know what I mean yeah mm. Billy Zane's outfit I don't know that that was ever considered fashionable <laughs> we'll, t- we'll talk about that because it could have been worse alright yep uh, do we have anything else about the shadow? I don't know. Like, like I said, I think it's even if you're you're lukewarm on it, I think it's worth a watch. Yeah, I would say it's worth a watch if you're a big fan of the shadow. But if you have never heard of the shadow and all of your knowledge of it comes directly from this movie, it's probably not worth your time. Maybe maybe get on uh, Amazon Prime and there's two or three old shadow movies from the 30s and 40s on there oh really maybe maybe watch those and then uh, watch this one and see if that that changes your your tune a little bit see I might go back and watch those because the uh, I don't know I'm more accepting of different tonal decisions in older movies than I am in modern ones interesting uh, alright Doug you want to tell us about Billy Zane's purple outfit in the Phantom alright um, Jesus, what is? I don't even know how to describe this movie. <laughs> Did we? Since since this movie kind of starts with it, we should we should bring this up. Both of these uh, backstories have this slight issue that a lot of old golden age stuff does, and that's uh white white saviors. Hmm. Well, okay, so in the shadow, yes, but at least he's like an American who returns to America and lives there. In the Phantom. It is literally, there's one white guy in the middle of the jungle. We're going to make him into a superhero. His pets will be very, very European animals that will have no business in a jungle. (laughs) He's literally running around saving everyone. It it is so fucking racist. And there's just no way around it. And the moniker is is passed down from white generation to white generation. (laughs) Oh my god, it's passed down from white guy to white guy. And then they ship the white kids back to America to educate them so that they won't be savages like the people they're saving. <laughs> oh, fuck, it's bad. It is so bad. And it's like, the, I don't blame the filmmakers for it because what are you going to do with that character? That's the character that they're working with. And I think it's just the racism of the time when the character was created. It's not like probably nobody considered that racist. They, were, they probably all thought like, man, it's so progressive of us to give these savages a white savior so that they don't have to suffer through being Africans without having a white guy around. But when he's riding through the jungle on that fucking horse and I'm like, how the fuck is there a horse here? A white, a like, white horse, on, of course. Hang on. Let me call my pet wolf. And I'm like, oh, come on, just give him a tiger. Just give him a fucking tiger and then it's less racist. No. It has to be a European animal. Oh, fuck, it's bad. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was like, because I'm not that PC of a guy, but watching this movie, I could not stop. Just, oh, shit, really? 
oh, we were supposed to talk about the plot of the movie? Yeah. <laughs> so the ridiculous, over-the-top racist guy, racist uh, caricature of a superhero, um, stumbles into a plot whereby, oddly enough, his ex-girlfriend is on his way to the jungle where he lives, and she gets kidnapped, so he gets sucked in, finds out that there's a guy trying to reunite these three skulls that will give him ultimate supreme power. Uh, you left out an important thing. Alright, well then you do the plot description. <laughs> you forgot You forgot that the beginning is a short little exposition explaining that the first Phantom was a little boy whose dad was killed by pirates. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He landed on an island and all of these native people were like, hey, little white boy, we're going to give you this magic ring. <laughs> It really is. It is literally, to get back to the racism of this movie, it is literally just like as if these, again, these quote-unquote savages just saw a white person and were like, oh my god, we've got one. We've got to make sure he stays around and saves us for the rest of time. How else will we get by if this white boy does not come here to save us? And the thing is, too, and like when... When we get into the story, it's like the area is being like colonized by British people, and it's never brought up that that's a problem. There's just like, like the shadow is literally like catching like poachers and turning them over to the British authorities, and just never addressing the fact that these people are colonizing the land that he's there to protect. Oh, because they're other white folk. It's worse. Um, so they they. You it briefly touches on it whenever you find out that that the general of those guys knows where the Phantom's lair is, and you know they have that one brief interaction there. Uh, in the comic book, basically that entire group of colonizers work for the Phantom. They just don't know oh. they work for the Phantom. He is their he is their leader, <laughs> and only the general guy knows. Okay. See, in this movie, it's played up like it's like a Commissioner Gordon-Batman relationship, right? Where he pretends to not know that he's out there, but he just kind of lets it fly under the radar so that the Shadow can still protect him. Or, uh, sorry, the Phantom can still protect him. Yep, no, they're kind of... It's kind of like a reverse secret police thing. They're his secret police, but everyone knows that the secret police exists, and they don't know that the guy leading the secret police exists. <laughs> All right that's not really delved into it in this movie because of course they naturally have to bring him back to America and New York City for really no reason because all he does is run around the city for most of the movie and then all the skulls end up in the hands of the bad guys but luckily he just has a magic ring so there you go <laughs> problem solved the well, ring that we we heard about once in the opening scene of the movie and then we just at the end he's like oh yeah <laughs> I can save the day with this he chases around the bad white guys in New York City and then has to chase them to the mysterious island where it turns out there are old school pirates hiding in a cave underneath the island. <laughs> so the big bad guys end up to be random Asian bad guys who are connected to the pirates from the beginning of the movie who killed the original guy's dad. So the Makes official sense to plot me. description of this movie, the official plot description of this movie tells me that they're in Africa for much of it. Lots of Asian people in Africa because either the Asians are the pirates that are that are taking it over, and they're uh, that, or just maybe the film producers don't know the difference well, between Africans and Asians. No, so I, I so, so they actually changed it for the movie. So the comic book is set in Africa, 
But okay. technically, the movie's supposed to be set in Thailand for some reason. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Weird. I think they, maybe they thought it would be racist if they put a bunch of black people in this movie. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> it so wasn't without them. Right. It's just a... There's just one racist movie producer who won't even hire black people to be in his movie that's already racist, even if he does. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, all that racism stuff is just simply a product of the time that the character comes from. I don't know that there's any way to... Like, right. if you tried to take that character now and then make him, uh, like, a local to the area where it's set, either Africa or Thailand, depending on which version it would be really kind of hard to change the character into that because you lose your whole pirate backstory. Well, you know you know what the funny thing is? Is if you change it to a black guy, it's Black Panther. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Well, okay, now here's the question I have for you guys because I found this part a little bit confusing. So you, you compare him to Black Panther. Black Panther has... Uh, superpowers. Does uh, does Billy Zane have superpowers in this movie or no? Uh, yes and no. All right. And, okay, <laughs> so, that, so what you're saying is you don't know either. No. So, so I don't. They they touch on a couple of the things in the movie, but I don't. They don't take the. For some reason, there's a lot of exposition in this movie, and they don't bother to actually explain the things from the comic book to make any of uh, it make sense. From what I read, that they cut a bunch of stuff out because they felt it wasn't fast paced enough. So maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah. It does, so it does sound like a '90s movie producer. <laughs> so this the is Phantom okay, but make it more extreme. Yeah, the Phantom wears two rings. Uh, mm-hmm. One ring is the skull ring, right? Which that's mm-hmm. the one the movie kind of focuses on. And it does two things. It kind of like makes him slightly more badass, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of the generic Captain America superpower thing where he's just a little bit better than everybody at everything. And if you punch somebody with the skull ring, it burns a skull into their face, <laughs> which is those scars that you see a bunch of people have. Once yeah. again, they don't bother to explain that the mm. ring just does that for no reason. Well, I wasn't sure if it was burning it or if he was just punching them so hard that it left a mark. Nope, nope. It's part of the magic of the ring. You punch somebody All with right. the ring, it burns a little skull into their face. All right. Well, they probably should have let us know that somehow. Yeah. And then the other ring in which I cannot for the fucking – it's been a long time since I read a Phantom comic. He wears a ring on his other hand that he can give it to someone – and if he gives it to that person, he always knows if that person is in trouble. It's like a weird, almost like the Jimmy Olsen <laughs> watch thing that he could, like, set off and have Superman come save him. Instead, he's like, here, wear this ring, and, and the next time the jungle poachers come after you, I'll know. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's just an exposition ring so that he'll know when he needs to be to fight yep. bad guys. Yep, right place at the right time ring. Oh. That's a, basically skull skull ring is plot armor, and then uh, the other ring is just exposition. <laughs> yes, he has the power of plot structure. <laughs> and then it seemed like uh, they were hinting that maybe there was some uh, sort of like mysticism involved when his assistant is like applying 
stuff to his injuries yeah. towards the beginning. So I don't know if that's supposed to be a play that maybe he can heal faster because he uses this yeah. ancient secret to heal up. Yeah, well, the, the, he's got the library that's filled with all of the ancient knowledge of the world. Yeah. So, um, follow-up question then. Mm-hmm. Was this movie trying to trick us into believing that he was an immortal character? And then when the reveal comes that he took over the mantle because his father was killed, was that supposed to be a surprise? Maybe? Yeah. Okay. All right. There's a lot of maybes and ifs have gone on with our discussion of this movie. <laughs> okay, so can can since a lot of the things we're going to say about this movie is going to be negative, <laughs> I just that's yeah. just the truth. But I do have one positive thing to say. This movie's beautiful, <laughs> right? The cinematography's yeah, amazing. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree all with the that, visuals yeah. are good, and even though I get it, purple suits weird. It looks fucking good. It really does. Like it it's yeah. I think it's a really good visual to stand out against the locations they were shooting in. Like it really pops against like uh the jungle stuff and then if they're on like a mountain cliff or whatever, it stands out against the rock. Like I think it's a that specific color of purple I think is visually very good for this movie to make him pop against the locations they're in. Yeah, the only problem with it is that there are times where he's supposed to be sneaking, and you cannot sneak in that suit. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, there's one where he sneaks onto a boat, and he's, like, climbing up the whatever the rope that's got the bo- boat tied to shore. Mm-hmm. And there's other people around, and they don't notice him, and I'm like, you would notice that. <laughs> you would definitely <laughs> notice that. There's a, a large purple man over there. Like it's it's almost like if the tick was running around and you pretended people didn't notice the costume. Like it's... Yeah, right. So one that in the the costume is pretty comic accurate, with one exception. So in the comic book, he has stripy underpants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like diagonal solid bar striped. It's 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 it is odd looking, and basically whenever they tried to make the movie, I know they tried to do the stripy underpants, mm. and they were like, "Okay, no, this yeah. is just yeah. we can we can live with solid purple suit, but these <laughs> fucking underwear are weird." Yeah, I, I the things I read, yeah, they tried it and it just looked horrible. So they're like, "Nah, fuck that, solid black." And then the other thing is apparently they built like a muscle suit, sort of like the Batman stuff for Billy Zane but Billy Zane got so ripped for like the year leading up to this because he knew like you know I gotta be in really good shape that uh when when they got to shooting they realized they didn't need the muscle suit at all I will say that like when I found out Billy Zane was playing a superhero I was like Mm. really? and you know this is basically a first time watch for me I've seen Mm -hmm. this when he there's a scene where he's like out of costume and he's kind of standing there shirtless and he's got that black full head of hair which you don't usually mm-hmm. see Billy Zane with a full head of hair and I'm like fuck like he could play Superman the way he looks in this movie like he he really mm-hmm. nailed it as far as the appearance it goes and I, like, I think yeah. he looks good in the suit and it's not easy to look good in one of those suits at that time <laughs> yeah the interesting Another- thing is uh, I don't know were you getting ready to say this Noah <laughs> That they had to film all the stuff without him in the suit first. 
Oh yeah, because they had to Cause, shave his head. Because then he shaved his head to make sure the cowl like fit a lot closer. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I was kind of wondering how that worked, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, no, I was going to say, so the other thing about the suit, this is this is just, I mean, it's more of a random cool nerd factoid. So the the Phantom was pretty popular in America, but it was crazy mm-hmm. fucking popular in Turkey. Yeah. And originally, all these comic strips were in black and white, and so the only color was the cover art. And in Turkey, for some reason instead of the suit being purple it was red and he was called like the crimson ghost or something like that mm-hmm. okay. and, and so when this movie came out they released it in Turkey expecting it to like blow up and be this huge success because everyone in Turkey fucking loves this comic book and they were all like wait why is it purple what the fuck is this <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious uh. So I guess how did how did we feel about this movie? Like Noah, how did you feel about it? I think this. So it's it's hard to explain. This movie has so much stuff in it that should make it a really good movie. Like I said, the cinematography is really good. I think the music's really good. I think most of the actors' performances are good. My only problem with their performances is I feel like they're all performing in a different fucking movie. <laughs> like I don't the fucking the bad guy is like this weird like I, overly campy thing and, and Billy Zane's kind of playing it a little more straight for some reason and then by the time we get to like <laughs> fucking pirates in a cave you know what I mean because this movie goes so fucking off the rails I just don't know in, in what the uh, god damn it the pirate king guy what's that actor's name fucking Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat yeah I don't know his name, but yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he's he's an awesome actor, but like I said, it just does, it's like everyone was making a different fucking movie and the tone just doesn't, I don't know, tone just doesn't work right for some reason. Hmm. What about it's you, Doug? Have, I don't I hate had, it. I didn't really have the problem that Noah's saying with it. I didn't find that to be the case with this one. Um, maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention. What I found is that they were doing... Like, I, I kind of half liked the movie. I thought it was sort of the the definition of yeah, okay. Like it was. I don't regret watching it. I'll probably never watch it again, kind of thing. Um, and I just found they were trying to make like an old serial, and I think maybe they stuck too closely to that idea. And those have a certain charm to them when you go back and rewatch those old serials. But there are a lot of things like a, a ring that just he's had on his hand the whole movie and then at the end it just saves the day even though the powers of it have never been explained and it has never played a role in the plot at all it has they have those things like you know one American girl travels to Africa slash Thailand and it happens to be the one that he dated in college when he was <laughs> being educated in North America and you're like okay that's the kind of stuff where I can it's like it's just a little too cheesy for me personally, but I can see how it mm. would have played a role in older versions of this and how they're just trying to recreate it. So maybe they stuck to it a little too clearly. And that's also like just random underground pirates. You're like, yeah, that seems like something out of an old 30s serial to me. <laughs> I, and I just, I kind of went with it just enough, but it, when I stop and think about it, it doesn't make like any kind of sense. Like even the fact that 
so the, the Phantom at some points like he carries guns. That's the that's another one of our side themes is people who carry guns and never <laughs> shoot anybody. Both that's both the heroes from our movies. Um, <laughs> carries guns, he's shooting them off all the time, and then somebody throws him a sword, and he can just like sword fight along with these like professional pirate guys. Well, where does that come from? Like, have we ever seen heard reference to a sword previous to this in the movie? No, it's just kind of happened. So just part of his phantom training yeah but and then again that's the other thing is like what phantom training like he comes over to North America to get educated when when did he get trained on how to do all this stuff and again I wasn't clear does he have superpowers because if he does that makes sense maybe somebody just you know like again compared to Black Panther like you when you're made the phantom do you get some kind of, some sort of ritual happens and you get magic powers and know how to do all this stuff. Well, that's never he explained. Was, he's he's trained by Ghost Dad. Well, that was the other thing I didn't <laughs> understand was like, why is there sometimes he's just talking to his Ghost Dad, and I'm like, but I, I don't understand. Again, I, I didn't know if that was supposed to be some kind of a representation of him thinking about his father, or if he was supposed to be an actual Ghost Dad there and. Nobody else can no, see it. It's actual ghost dad. All right. So if it's actual ghost dad, then is Billy Zane's character so fucking, he's such a weirdo that he thinks it's okay to just talk to his ghost dad and nobody else will know what's going on. And he just lets that happen. Apparently. It's, and, and there was a lot of stuff like that. Like, so he comes over to North America and he takes a cab from the airport to this place where he's going to meet up. Christy Swanson's character and he gets out and he only has money from his home country but then we get the reveal that he was educated in North America so he like he knew when he got in that cab that they were going to expect American currency to pay for that he was not some you know guy who's his first time ever in North America so why would why did he seem so surprised that they didn't want to be paid in jewels Yeah, that seems that seems seems like a producer's note from the '90s. Like, oh, he doesn't spend time here. You're probably not going to know he needs money. Yeah, but he's only been gone since like he left when he was done college. So (laughs) it's I don't know. By the time you're finished college, you should be smart enough to know that cabbies expect to be paid in a local currency. (laughs) So this this movie does have a single movie moment that might rival uh, my insane caterwauling love of uh, the lady hitting all the bars in Nightmare City. And that is, that dude getting shot with a fucking cannon in the cave. (laughs) Because in most movies, you know, if he got shot with a cannon, he would just like fall over and die, or he would like, you know, (laughs) knock back a few people. And no, this dude gets shot in the chest with a cannon and fucking ragdolls through the air for like 50 (laughs) feet and like hits a rock wall and falls in the water. That's fantastic. There's a few moments like that where I feel like they're just they played up the camp in just the right way. Like and that like that moment comes shortly after the Phantom rides like around the world on the pontoon of a plane. He just kinda climbs on it and hangs on real tight. And at one point he kinda <laughs> lets go and almost slips and he just nope grabs back on. And I feel like it's like I don't know what it is about the way it's done, but the they clearly knew that this was ridiculous. And so they just decided to have fun with it and go with it. And that's where I think, you know, they 
they're saying, hey, this is something that would have happened in one of those 1930s serials that we nobody would have questioned it. And nowadays we know audiences are going to question it, but we're doing it anyway, you know? Yeah. One of the things that's a little sad is originally they were going to make a trilogy of these movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously this first one was a uh, flop and, and they did not make the rest of them. But I feel like they would have gotten better if that makes Because you could see like it, this isn't incompetent filmmaking. It's just they just didn't get some stuff right. And I feel like if they had just followed it up with a sequel, they probably would have fixed that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually uh, rather enjoyed this movie. Definitely more than I did uh, The Shadow. So I was a little bummed that uh, they didn't make any more. See, this is this is one that I almost feel the opposite of The Shadow. Like I said, I feel like The Shadow, you could remake that right now and probably make an awesome movie. I feel like mm-hmm. The Phantom, man, it'd be real fucking hard. <laughs> be real hard. Well, now it yeah. definitely would in a post-Black Panther world. Right. People are like, oh, why do they got to have a white Black Panther? That's stupid. Yeah, but see, they're they're correct to think that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, but you could put, I I agree with uh, Doug in the fact that really this one, his his whiteness, like the the character does not depend on the whiteness. Mm -hmm. So you could just put a black person in the suit or an Asian person in the suit. It doesn't matter. I just don't know how you would do that. You'd have to recreate the storyline, like redo the the origin, and then you're at some point you you're becoming Black Panther, right? Like you, yeah. all of a sudden, if it's just if it's just a local tribes person from that area, now you're too close to Black Panther. You couldn't really do that now. People would just look at it that way. I I feel like the the time for this has passed. Maybe. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe some smart guy can write it, write something up that'll make it make sense, right? Well, I know Dynamite was doing some stuff because the uh, the pitch that I made about the Pulp Hero cinematic universe, Dynamite kind of did that in their comic books. They picked up a lot of these Pulp Heroes and had them all sort of cross over and yeah. form like a, a their version of the Avengers or whatever. Yeah, I mean, um, there the was, Phantom there was, was in there. I never read it though. Yeah, there was a '70s cartoon that was that too, right? Oh, really? Maybe it was. It was Flash, Flash Gordon, the Phantom, and uh, some magician guy. Yeah. God damn it! I don't have my phone on me to look at it. Uh, let's see. Let's type Bam. in. I was gonna say, Pulp, man, I'll look it up in Google. Poop here, Pulp Hero, uh, Super Team. Uh, kind of like the idea of a cartoon version of this uh, phantom mm-hmm. defenders of the earth was the name of the cartoon. yes that's what it was it was uh what? flash flash gordon the phantom mandrake the magician that's what defenders of the earth is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's another podcast i listen to references it from time to time and i've never seen it and i didn't know and then it showed up on amazon prime and i almost watched it just so i'd understand the references in that other podcast um, and then, uh, looks like Doc Savage is part of all that, too, in the comic yeah. books. Yeah, fucking uh, Doc Savage. See, that would be good, too. Yeah, and it says apparently Shane Black's been working on a Doc Savage movie, but it's, uh, hasn't come together. Hmm. See, I think there's room for a lot of these characters to exist. Like I said, the Phantom, you, I don't know how you work your way around 
non-PC elements of it. Mm-hmm. Start well, maybe by not giving him a wolf. The wolf doesn't even make sense. I mean, you could just have him as a character already. Just don't... Just have him be, like, a mystery character. Just don't explain, like, his backstory or whatever. Just have him in the team movie or something? I don't know. Just bring that sweet, super purple suit back. That's all you need. Yeah. Well, they would do that now, too, right? Because comic accurate suits are the way to go now. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'm kind of surprised it's not a black suit watching this movie from the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Like, I do have to say, like, both of these characters, it's, like, it's weird that in the 90s they took a shot at these two characters. You know, at a time when there was no Spider-Man movie out. And, Mm-hmm. There was no Superman movies coming out. Like it's, but they took a shot at the shot on the Phantom. <laughs> yeah, this is only four years before the first Spider-Man movie. Yeah. That's, that's enough. It's it's weird mm. that one got me at first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I love. One of the parts that I loved, uh, James Remar's in this, and he's sort of like the secondary big bad in this movie. And I love <laughs> the beginning of the movie when they're like searching for the skull, and they have this kid who's like their guide, and they're driving around. And uh, uh, <laughs> they come to a bridge, and then uh, they're like, I don't know, I don't know if that'll hold our weight or not. It's like, well... All of us are going to have to get out, and then one person will drive the truck over. And, of course, they make the little kid drive the truck over, which I thought was hilarious. I, I really enjoyed that part with the, uh, <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, it was... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the Defenders of the Earth. Yeah. No, I just said I got distracted. <laughs> um, that looks fantastic. And the Phantom Minute is using... Is working the open for the movie, not the Strike number. But... making the kid drive the truck across the rope bridge right yeah I love that whole thing was great and then when at the end when they're about to kill the kid and they're like now tie him up we might might need someone to drive the truck back (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will say that when the bridge collapses though Mm -hmm. it is laughably bad how poorly executed that is because the bridge starts to flip over and the truck stays attached to the bridge the whole time <laughs> and then I'm thinking okay so like there's some ropes and stuff like I can I can sell myself on the idea that it's tangled in the ropes from the rope bridge and that's why it's not falling but then it falls from the bridge and gets caught up in the ropes right before they escape <laughs> and I'm like well so why was it sticking to the fucking bridge that doesn't make any sense <laughs> like you guys really shot yourselves in the foot there it's just it's yeah, it's cartoonishly bad when it happens, but it was fine. At that point, I was already kind of buying into the campiness of the film, so I didn't really care. Mm. All right, anything else about The Phantom before we move on? Nope. Awesome. No, yeah, I don't have anything in, in addition to that. Yeah, I'd say I'd say give it a watch. There's a, there's a change you might not like it. <laughs> yeah, like I think if you're interested in watching a movie that is, it's probably the closest thing to an update of the old like 30s and 40s serials that I've seen. And it, unlike a movie like Indiana Jones that took that kind of thing and modernized it, this doesn't seem to modernize it at all. It's just doing the same thing that happened back then. <laughs> and 
if you're willing to run with that, I think you can have fun with it. Overall, I think, I think kind of middle ground. I, I think I, I have solved the conundrum. I know what both these things did wrong that Flash Gordon did right. They needed Queen to do the soundtrack. Uh, that's true. Well, yeah. I don't know if you wanted Queen doing your soundtracks in the mid-90s. Although, yeah. ironically, I guess this is right around the time Wayne's World came out. Queen did the soundtrack for that, and it was a much bigger hit than either of these movies. So <laughs> maybe Noah's hitting the nail right in the head. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, did anybody watch anything since last week? I did. What did you watch, Noah? Uh, I watched several things. You were so excited, and then you calmed right down when he's like, oh no, a follow-up question. (laughs) (laughs) I watched stuff. What did you watch? Oh shit, I didn't know you'd want follow-up stuff. Second second roll. Second roll. (laughs) Uh, So I watched The Shadow Strikes from 1939, I do believe. Uh, It's pretty good. Um, the The only thing I don't like about that particular version of it is... Like the the shadow just like wears a suit, just a dude in a suit. <laughs> like there's well, something weak about of, that. Like they don't even make an attempt. Doug, were you saying something? I say he's kind of wearing a suit all the time. <laughs> right. They were doing their version of modernizing the character. Yeah. So basically, that one is uh, the the shadow foils a robbery, and uh, is the police are carting off the the would-be robbers. He's going through some of the things that were in the safe, because I'm assuming perhaps this guy was also... The guy who was getting robbed was also a bad guy. One of the cops comes back, and the shadow just pretends to be the lawyer whose office was getting <laughs> robbed, and kind of gets, like, sucked into pretending to be this lawyer, and then a guy calls and is like, I need a lawyer! And he's like, well, I guess I'm a lawyer now, so I'm gonna... <laughs> come do that and and basically gets caught in a kooky 1930s style adventure uh it's fun i mean if you like 1930s like uh detective movies i mean that's what it is hmm it's good Could, stuff. couldn't he just use his mind powers to convince like whoever if like if he I was a lawyer i don't think they were really giving him the mind powers at this oh. one. say so if you're like a lawyer if he's, a, if he's a lawyer, he could just be like, oh, my my client is innocent. And the judge would be like, he's innocent. Right. I was going to say, but if you've watched any of the 1930s uh, superhero uh, serials, they like, they're all way fucking different. <laughs> like, <laughs> Captain America is like some random lawyer guy. <laughs> it's all, it's all fucking weird. But yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, I kind of regret not watching one of the later ones because it's it's one of the really early ones. But hmm. so I'm looking right now. It looks like there's a uh, which one did you watch? The Shadow. The Shadow Strikes. Yeah, looks like there's one. Yeah, The Shadow Returns, mm-hmm. and then I see a DVD collection of 
The Shadow, 15-chapter cliffhanger serial from 1940 Ooh. on DVD for 13 that's, bucks. That's what I should have watched. The Mysterious Avenger faces his greatest challenge, The Invisible Menace of the Black Tiger. Nice. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it was fun stuff. Uh, then <laughs> I... I did. I may have spiraled into a deep dark hole. Uh, oh, may we have. Were... I, no one thinks you may have. <laughs> well, we all anticipated that you did. Just tell us which hole. So first, <laughs> we were like watching Christmas movies, and uh, I can't. We watched some random Christmas movie, and it wasn't rememberable enough to talk about. So I'm not going to. But then I was like, "Well, that was okay." But now we should watch something else. And we were going through Disney Plus, and we were like, oh, shit, I'm up at Christmas Carol. I remember that being decent, so let's watch that. <laughs> it's got Michael Caine in it. Can't be that bad, right? Sure. Uh, and it was awesome, because it's a fucking Muppet movie. I don't I don't know if there are any bad Muppet movies. Mm. There are less good Muppet movies. No. no. Not a Muppet guy, Brian? No, I am. I'm trying to think of... Seemed like there was like a Christmas one that wasn't very good, but I don't know. I I know the very first time I saw a Muppet Christmas Carol, I didn't care for it, but I, mm. it's kind of grown on me with time. Yeah, I don't think it was that one. I think it's just like one of the televised ones they did. Oh, there's like, like the, twenty of them. Yeah, I remember just being like, I'd rather watch the one where they go out to the and, Fozzie's grandma's house and have Christmas, and that one's awesome. So. Speaking of uh, <laughs> Muppet TV Christmas specials brought to you by Kraft Mac and Cheese. <laughs> what? Uh, so, so Jim Hansen made, I don't, I don't know how many there are. There's like fucking seven of them. Seven of these mm. Christmas specials that are all Muppet based. And they're all like hour long films. And they all only exist because of a corporate sponsor. Like he got mm. some corporate sponsor to pay for him to make a Christmas movie. Uh, and I, I know that for a fact because so one of them is called The Christmas Toy which mm -hmm. I have not watched yet, yet this year but I really really like that movie and it was sponsored by Kraft. <laughs> so all I remember <laughs> is watching it on TV and every 10 seconds it'd be like oh we'll be right back brought to you by Kraft Mac and Cheese. <laughs> <You know? laughs> there is some synergy in that marketing. Muppets and mac and cheese appeal to very much the same group of people. I know, now I want some mac and cheese. Yeah. So then so then I was like, Yeah, Muppet. So I watched the original Muppet movie. Uh it it holds up pretty good. I mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that one for some reason feels the weirdest out of all of them whenever you rewatch it. Like it was really forced. I feel like they weren't they hadn't fallen into their Muppet movie groove yet. Um and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch some of these Muppet Christmas TV specials. Mm. And my mind goes to one particular place. Have you guys ever seen Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas? I have not, but I know it's a big favorite amongst people around our age. Right. Yeah. I don't even know what it is. And so it came out in 77? I think mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a pretty old one and now, it's, now, it's based off a children's book which one did you watch though what do you mean did you get a hold of a 
pre-Disney owning the Muppets version or a version after Disney bought the Muppets? I do not know. I watched it on Amazon Prime, if that helps. Uh, that's probably after then. Because uh, apparently in the original there was a scene with Kermit the Frog, and since he's been... Oh, yeah, I know. He was in it. He was in it? All right. Yep. Yeah, he narrates it. Wow. Seems like I had heard that they... Are they saying they edited it? Seems like I had heard that they cut him out of it because he's a Disney property now or something. I don't know. I've I've never seen it, so I can't comment one Uh, way or the other. Yeah, so so it's based off a children's book, and it is about Emmett Otter, who's, Mm -hmm. who's an otter, right? And his mom, who are poor... And their dad died a couple, and the dad died a couple years ago. Uh, and they're just happy little otter people who the mom like uh, washes laundry and shit for a living, and they kind of just take a little boat up and down the river collecting people's laundry and making a a meager living. Uh, but they're both super into music, and in kind of like the old school. Uh, I can't remember what the fuck the name of that story is where the wife wants to buy the husband a new toolbox for all of his tools and so she cuts her hair to sell her hair to buy the the toolbox and then the husband sells all of his tools to buy her a comb <laughs> like you know what I'm talking about yeah mm-hmm. uh, so, so the gift Emmett, of the magi is that what it is yeah so, something like that so the mom sells the dad's old toolbox which Emmett uses to go do jobs to make a little bit of extra money to buy a dress to enter a talent show that's going to be happening locally because if she wins the talent show uh, the price is like 40 bucks or something like that and she can buy Emmett this guitar that he wants and Emmett punches a hole in her wash tub (laughs) which is uh her only way to make a living in order to make a uh, wash tub base in order to form a jug band to enter the talent show <laughs> in order to buy his mom a piano with $13 somehow, which it, I, don't, I don't think that's the way shit works. Uh, they enter the talent show only to like, they everyone in the talent show sucks they both perform and they're both really good and you think they're going to win and all of a sudden another band shows up right at the end called The Nightmare from River Bottom <laughs> and they perform a song called The River Bottom Nightmare Band which is probably the reason why this movie is famous is that scene and that's it because so all the music this is a very song heavy thing like it's an hour long and there's 15 songs you know what I mean like it's it's nothing but otters singing uh, folk music but when the nightmare come out it's 1970s heavy metal <laughs> and it's punk rock as shit and that song's actually fucking awesome <laughs> and of course they win the talent show they like blow everyone else out of the water and so, you know, they're Emmett and his mother are sad, but, you know, they, they figure out that they were both just trying to do something nice for Christmas. So that's the best gift. And of course, then they end up combining together and she starts singing with the jug band and they get hired at the local restaurant to perform, which makes more money than her washing and blah, 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 blah. Merry Christmas. But 
watch watch this movie and or if you don't want to watch this movie because you don't want to sit through a bunch of like cheesy otter singing sappy uh folk music just get on youtube and look up river bottom nightmare band and just fucking jam out to some punk rock ass muppets fucking killing it jesus I like that Noah had more to say about that than either of the two movies that we came here to discuss today. <laughs> I, I fucking, I, it, there are things in this world that I love, and fucking Muppets are one of those things. I fucking, I don't know why, fucking love Muppets. I love everything about Muppets. When Jim Henson died, it was really fucking sad. It's the best. Dude was awesome. <laughs> And I'm glad occasionally people are still doing that shit because all the magic is gone in the world. Okay, here we go. Here we go, Noah. So in 2005, Hit Entertainment released a collector's edition DVD, which featured a bunch of uh, like deleted scenes, lost song, blah, blah, blah. Due to the sale of Muppets to Disney a year earlier, Kermit's scenes and narrations were omitted from this release. Then That's in... Uh, 2015, a remastered version of the specials uh, had its cable channel debut alongside remastered The Bells of Frackle Rock on ABC Family during its 25 Days of Christmas programming block. Uh, 40th anniversary DVD special was released by Sony, followed by a Blu-ray release in 2018 for the 2015 airing as well as subs- subsequent subsequent DVD and Blu-ray releases. Kermit's introduction and closing scenes were restored. Good. Yeah. The idea, the idea of them having to cut out scenes with a fucking character in it because Disney are being pricks is ridiculous. Yeah. Like a movie's a movie. Get get the fuck over it. And mm. that would be a nightmare because I was talking about how the fact that Jim Henson made like eight of those made-for-TV ones, mm. all of them have Kermit in it. All of yeah. them. Like he's usually the narrator or the wraparound or whatever. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was weird back when I heard that they had edited him, edited, edited him out of stuff. But what are you going to do? Fucking Disney. Yeah, I was. I just don't know how they do it. Because so River Bottom, the River Bottom Boys, the uh, the other band, you only see them four times in the entire movie, mm. and I do believe two of those times are them interacting with Kermit. Because, like, the first time they just about hit him with the car at the beginning, and he tells you who they are, and then the second time they almost run him over with a snowmobile. And then the third time they're on stage. <laughs> like, hmm. So if you cut out the Kermit scenes, it would just be this fucking yeah. random band coming from nowhere. Yeah, that's like the one I mentioned where they all go to Fozzie's mom's house, grandma's house, whatever. And it's the Muppets, and then uh, characters from Sesame Street show up, and then Kermit and his nephew go into a crack in the basement and end up in Fraggle Rock. And that was either the Muppet. Oh God damn it! It's either called the Muppet Christmas Special or yeah. the Muppet Family Christmas. I can't. Yeah. Remember. It's on YouTube. You can watch it in, in part, and I've downloaded it, so I have a copy of it. Because that's one that will never be released because of the fact that all of the, basically all three of those properties are owned by three separate companies now. So, 
find that That's so weird. strange. The, the idea that something can exist, but that the parts of it can be broken up and sold off like that, I find strange. Mm. Like, yeah. I understand that, like, you know, going forward, you would buy the rights to characters, but the idea that you can't release something that was already made yeah. is strange. I don't get yeah. it. Yeah, doesn't it seem like you would own the rights to that individual movie? And yes, you'd probably have to pay out royalties, but you would just pay a third of the royalty to each one of those companies and move on. But Seems even, like it. Even that way, I feel like if you, I don't know, like when the when when, it, when it, I'm trying to think of like the Freddy versus Jason scenario, like they didn't have to stop releasing the Friday Thirteenth movies or the Nightmare on Elm Street movies just because one studio bought up both characters. They just couldn't make any more movies with that character, right? No, Freddy was always a new line. Yeah, so when, uh, what I'm saying is when Jason came over, like Paramount yeah. couldn't make any more Friday the 13th movies, but they didn't have to Well, that's actually, that's actually incorrect. What ended up happening, Paramount had the rights to the Friday the 13th franchise. Sean Cunningham owned the character of Jason. So, if Paramount wanted to pull a Halloween 3 and release another Friday the 13th movie, just without any sort of version of Jason in it, they technically could have done that at the time. Yeah, but the point I'm trying to make is they didn't have to, like, say, okay, we can never show the old Friday the 13th again because the character has now gone off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't understand why, like, with this Muppet stuff, they can't release Mm -hmm. something was already made when the rights were owned or borrowed or whatever at the time of making it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it seems very silly to me. Uh, seems like uh, Disney at the time trying to trying to keep people from doing shit. It's also probably. fascinating to me that there are three companies that can own the rights to Muppets and they're not all owned by Disney already now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they ensured before the sale of Disney that uh, the Sesame Street characters would be sold separately so that Disney would not own them. And they would be... They sold them to the Children's Television Workshop, specifically, so yeah. that they could continue and... When's Disney going to buy them? Well, weirdly enough, I think HBO bought Children's Television Workshop. Okay. So buy them? <laughs> well, I think Warner Brothers owns them, so... They at least uh, have a have a. They at least have a grace period. It may happen eventually. And I think Fraggles are still owned by the Henson Company. <sighs> yeah, I was actually just talking about this with Amanda. I was actually just talking with Amanda about all this because, um, you know, Disney. Disney's doing what they did after they bought the Muppets, where it's like, we're not really going to make any new properties, but we'll whore out the Muppets to other companies to sell stuff. So now, like, there's the Muppets are um, promoting that, what was that, portal bullshit? So you can, like, hook up to your TV through Facebook or something. It's basically like a, like a video... <laughs> video answering thing or whatever. Um, they finally invented Skype that applies to your television. Yeah. And Amanda's like, oh, I think it's cool that Kermit like has a son now. And I'm like, that's not his son. That's his nephew, Robin. And she's like, oh, well, I'm glad he has a nephew now. I'm like, 
Robin's been around forever. Like, what, where the fuck have you been? So Robin, Robin's a uh, tiny Tim in uh, Muppet no. Christmas Carol. Yeah, I told her about Robin actually shows up on Muppet Babies and he's only a tadpole. <laughs> She's, she has no recollection of this. I don't recall that episode of Muppet yeah. Babies. Yeah, he's just, he's like, he, he has arms, but it, the rest of his body is just like a tail. And he's, and he's, he has, he has to be kept in a fishbowl. Makes sense, logically. Yeah. But yeah, so we were just, I was, then I was explaining to her the, the Muppet Christmas movie I've been talking about, and she has no recollection of that. I'm like, I just watched it a couple years ago. Surely you watched it with me, but she doesn't remember. So, I have to pull it out again here within the next couple weeks. So, this has been your Muppet history lesson. Yeah. Why don't you watch anything else, Noah? Watch, watch some goddamn Muppet movies. I did. I watched uh, one more movie, but I think it's a movie we're going to end up talking about next week. So, well, go save it. I don't want to talk about that. Uh, yeah. I will give a hint I had to watch it with subtitles so it is not Ooh. American interesting but that's it this, that's, could, be, that's all this could be an interesting twist when we get to the what have I been watching section here so because <laughs> I tried to watch some movies for next week and I failed so <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you end up watching Doug well let's do things in order here by order, hmm. I mean how they show up on Instagram so that I don't miss stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, first thing I did was uh, I finished off season two of Rebels, which I'm still going through. Hmm. And it's still really good. Um, season two is 22 episodes long, which is standard for television. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely a little bit of filler in there. But that's normal for TV shows. That's why mm-hmm. I don't watch that much TV. Yeah, I'm glad that we're, we've started moving more towards like a, a British way of doing television, yeah. which is a much shorter season, which I've been very happy about over the past like 10 years or so. Yeah, it, it, it's a better way to do things, but, mm. you know, because you, you end up with just needing to write stuff and sing writing stuff. Yeah. It's not good. Um, but I will say Rebels, like it, they are still... It's just, it's ostensibly a kids' cartoon. Yet there's like a whole episode where they do the thing where you know one person from the rebels and one person from the empire are trapped on a planet together with no way out, and they have to learn how to work together. And it is really it's just like a slow moving thing with just two characters talking to each other for the vast majority of an episode. And does does one of them end up having a baby, and the other one has to adopt that baby and then save that baby from slavery? <laughs> no. Oh, they make it's a good exactly movie though. Like Enemy Mine, we already did that movie on the podcast. But you know, you do see these characters like learn to work together and start to understand each other's perspective on the whole battle, and it kind of helps to better explain why the Empire are the bad guys and the Rebels are the good guys. Because if you go back to the original Star Wars movies, they kind of just told you that those were the good guys and those were the bad guys. There, said so, you know. There's a light side and a dark side, so obviously the light side's good. Haven't you guys seen the Phantom? The light side is the good <laughs> side, and the dark side is the bad guys. That's how that works. Yeah. Um, you know, so they, they get into that stuff, and I, I, I think that they do a really good job of slowing it down, which 
which is important in order to keep things interesting. And the other thing that's really impressive about uh, Rebels is that they've brought in a bunch of the characters from the Clone Wars, which I haven't even seen. Mm-hmm. And they've just kind of intermingled them in with the new characters, and they're like they're older versions of their clones or clone uh, Clone Wars characters. So you know, they got the white beards and all that, but they're running around and they're they integrate them really well, and it is I think it's handled extremely well. Um, they kind of become new characters, even though everyone knows theoretically everyone knows who they are, and they play that sort of veteran role that our younger characters have someone to like guide them. It's kind of neat. Hmm. And you know, uh, the other thing is just I, I complimented the show previously on how dark it was willing to be, and like spoiler alert, I guess they full on blind one of the main characters in season two during a, a fight, and I thought like, holy shit, like how are they going to heal that? I jumped ahead to season three, and they didn't. They did a time jump <laughs> to so it seems like it's a couple of years later, and there's that character still wearing a face shield over his and not able to see and it's like holy shit they, just, they blinded a character in a kid's cartoon <laughs> like that's fucking ballsy man did he uh, walk around saying I am one with the force the force is one with me no oh, no he's not he is a force sensitive yeah and he does use his blindness to help like he goes and does some training and figures out how to do different things because of that and it's kind of neat but they also get into the whole like like there are dark side characters show up and start to corrupt some of the light side characters and stuff and you're like that's pretty deep for again for what is appears to be a kids show based on the animation style and stuff but it has all the good Star Wars stuff in it that I like so. huh. yeah. I need to get back to going through uh, Clone Wars again that's when I'm done Rebels, I think I'm going to go do Clone Wars. I just I should have watched it first, and there's no way I'm going to go back now. So yeah, I'm going to have to finish Rebels and then go back to Clone Wars. Clone Wars was a lot more of a kids show, and I found it insufferable. I couldn't watch it. Mm. See, really? I, yeah. I, I've seen individual episodes that I really liked, mm-hmm. but I when I went back and tried to watch the whole thing, I found it was bit of a slog and I think I just kind of it was on Netflix at the time so I just I would watch an episode every now and again and I'd kind of fall out of, out of the practice and try to go back into it and I never quite got into it but now I think I will yeah there was a couple episodes I remember being really good but I never I didn't get too far into it uh, specifically the one with uh, sort of a bunch of uh, stormtroopers that are sort of stationed on this far out like uh I don't know, post or whatever, and then shit goes down and they've lost communication, so it's up to these, like, five clones, essentially, to to, you know, stop whatever's going on. I remember that one being really good. Yeah, I think I've seen that one. I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I saw any of them, but mm. I don't know. I, there was that, and there's, you know, I, I watched the one where, the, where Darth Maul showed back up, and I remember enjoying that and thinking they did a good job of bringing that character back in. Hmm. There's, there's a lot of potential there, so I will, I will try to watch it. It is seven seasons long, and if it drags a lot, I don't know if I'll make it through. But the way I'm flying through Rebels, I don't see how I'm gonna, I'm gonna still want Star Wars cartoons when I'm done. So. Hmm. 
They need to put droids up on uh, Disney Plus. Yeah, they don't seem to want to do that. Eh? <laughs> there's, there's a few noticeable things missing from Disney Plus. Yeah. Ewok movies? Yeah, don't worry, I, I was... have Ewok movies on DVD, so I don't need them up there. <laughs> I was kind of hoping the 1970s Star Wars cartoon would pop up. But... Yeah, no I don't think that either. No. They seem to know there's certain things that are just like, they're like, that's garbage. We're not putting that up. No holiday special. No holiday special. No Mrs. Boogity either. Bride of Boogity, whatever the fuck it was called. Yeah, Bride of Boogity. So, which I don't even remember liking as a kid, but I still want to rewatch it. So. Huh. Uh, anyways, moving along. Still watching all the Star Wars movies, so I got to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It's still... It's still awesome. It's better than I think it is. Whenever I watch it, I'm always like, because my mind always drifts to like funny little Ewoks running around doing funny shit, mm-hmm. and you you kind of forget how good the stuff is with Vader and Luke and the Emperor in that throne room, and just again they slow it right down. It's character stuff. It's dialogue that's well done. It it's really really well done. I like it a lot. I always kind of forget about it because it's overshadowed by Ewoks that are just kind of these funny, kid-friendly characters running around. I mean, and the the opening, the shit with Jabba the Hutt at the beginning of the movie is fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched the specialized editions too, and it has, I prefer the Sarlacc pit in the special, or despecialized editions, because it's back yeah. to the original, just the whole is its mouth thing. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know, I, yeah, I, I'm gonna just sit here every week and tell you which Star Wars movie I watched and then tell you <laughs> what my favorite part of it was, because that's apparently what we do now. <laughs> I really like it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, actually, though, I will say, watching Return of the Jedi was my second favorite Return of the Jedi-themed thing that happened this week. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I have the, somebody gifted my kid the, the, the Golden Book versions of Star Wars. Ah. the original trilogy and I'm always trying to get him to read them and he doesn't want to because there's no pups in it that save the day so he doesn't give a shit about them (laughs) and I'm always trying to encourage him but for some reason he looked at the cover of Return of the Jedi and he immediately is like I I want to read that one and I'm like yep sit down but I'm having to (laughs) fill him in on the backstory and I wasn't prepared for it but like he knows who all the characters are and as I'm filling him in on the backstory just enough so that he'll understand Return of the Jedi's in this little simplified version, he got the reveal that Vader is Luke's dad. And to watch a three-year-old react to that, he's like, stared at me a little confused. He got up, he went and he left the room, checked with his mom to see if it was true. It's <laughs> like, Mom, is it, is it true that Darth Vader is Luke's daddy? <laughs> That's is that silly? Is that weird? He's so confused by it. <laughs> so it was phenomenal. That was that was probably the highlight of my week. Actually, he was just. It's just I kind of forgot. There's people in the world who still don't know that. Um, I had an ex girlfriend who didn't know anything about the Star Wars movies. Didn't watch them. You know, and so me and my friends are educating her and. The, the moment comes in Empire and everybody in the room just kind of because I asked her multiple times I'm like do you know anything about Star Wars and she's like I have no idea nothing and so it gets to the you know I am your father stuff 
and everybody in the room just kind of turns and looks at her and she sat there for a minute and she's like hey they did that in toy story 2 I, <laughs> I got so disappointed <laughs> this is this is over now <laughs> and then we waited till uh, she realized that Luke and Leia were brother and sister <laughs> and it took a second and then she's like but they ew and I'm like yeah that's the appropriate response yeah, no, you're, you're correct to react <laughs> yeah there was a disturbance in the force <laughs> well you know by the way, can we just... I just want to address one thing. Assholes on the internet are still bringing up the fact that Luke... Uh, Vader could sense Luke, but he couldn't sense Leia, even though they were in the same room. Mm-hmm. And if you're one of those assholes, pull your head out of your ass and think for a second. Vader could sense Luke after Luke realized he was Force-sensitive and started actively trying to use the Force. Leia never did that in the original trilogy, and that's why he couldn't sense her. Okay, so it's not really that complicated if you <laughs> vaguely understand the rules of Star Wars. And Luke knew he was a Skywalker. So yeah. it's a mind-reading thing. Yeah, like, it, the explanations are there if you actually pay attention and watch the movies. But yeah, like, like ah, frustrating to me. Because that still comes up when you comment on Return of the Jedi Online. No. <laughs> you don't. Jerks. Also, when Leia says that she has memories of her mother, that's because she's Force-sensitive and doesn't know it. And that's not a plot hole that her mother died in childbirth, but yet she says she has visual memories of her. No. She's Force-sensitive, she just doesn't know it and isn't actively using it. So therefore she doesn't understand that those aren't real memories. Yeah. This is me trying to shut down people I've talked to over the last 30 years that have had complaints about Star Wars. <laughs> In case one of them's listening. All right. I'll, I'll get off Star Wars corner and move on to oh, We'll be back by the end of the episode. Don't worry. Okay, that's good. Um, any excuse to talk Star Wars, I'm happy to. But uh, oh, we still have our whole Mandalorian section. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> um, anyways... The, uh, the next thing I watched in my attempt to find movies for next week's show, I watched uh, Deadly Games, a.k.a. Dial Code Santa Claus, a.k.a. the French title for it, <laughs> yeah. which is the uh, it's, it's the French Home Alone, as it's been uh, sold, which means it's just Home Alone, a lot more violent and mean, and it's actually got more of a horror movie kind of turn to it. Uh, like Die Hard slash Home Alone. Yeah, correct. I was hoping for more of a horror movie element to it. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't really go there. Um, other than the fact that it is kid being stalked by an actual psycho guy dressed as Santa Claus trying to get into his house. Um, I, I think I have a feeling that we're going to disagree on this note, but I was a little disappointed in it. Um, it just didn't get into the violence as much as I wanted it to and there's just a lot more of kid running around the house I had uh, a number of things to me that didn't make any sense such as at one point the kid not knowing his way around the house even though it's his house and things like the fact that they live in a mansion but then his mom is the manager of an apartment store that kind of threw me off but 
the biggest thing was just the style of filmmaking I had trouble getting into because uh, there's just way too much slow motion in the movie and I <laughs> I, I believe the correct amount of slow motion for most movies is uh, approximately zero slow motion or none slow motion <laughs> depending on how you want to word that and they do they use it a lot in this movie and every time I'm just like oh god not again oh god not again so the movie wasn't completely atrocious or terrible like once they get to the violence it's kind of fun to watch this kid like using his traps on this killer Santa and he's you know but at the end of the day I just wasn't a huge fan you do you do have to throw out a trigger warning uh there is a dog death in this movie yeah and it is uh way more intense than you're ready for (laughs) that is that is the tonal shift of the movie from whatever the fuck's going on before then to now this is a horror movie and it's it's effective really really effective but man it's upsetting you're like oh <laughs> yeah. I, I will say maybe my big problem with the film is that that was so much more effective than everything else that right. there's sort of this you know you're whatever like 40 minutes into the movie there's this peak moment where you're like holy shit I can't believe they just did that and the rest of the movie just doesn't live up to that whereas maybe if that moment had happened later like a, i don't know i see i i feel like it starts to pay off a little bit right afterwards because you know you've got like the scene where they're they're hiding in the car and the guy's like beating his face on the glass and stuff and that's all real intense but yeah there's there's about a 15 minute spree from dog death to it goes back to being kind of meh yeah it's there's too much happens in between the and then sometimes when an e-moment happens, they show it in slow motion, and I get frustrated and angry at the movie and tell them to hurry up. So, I don't know. I, di- I didn't hate it completely, but I I think I might maybe part of the problem is like I'm watching a French movie from 1990, and I'm going, oh, this is going to be the best thing I've seen ever. And that was maybe too high of expectations. So I don't know. Yeah. Is, this, is this the one, Noah, that you're planning to talk about next week? Are we going to have another discussion about it? Uh, I th- I think we probably will talk about it next week. Right? Oh, there you go. I, when you said that, I'm like, uh oh, I know where we're going with this. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna badmouth the movie this week, and Noah's gonna tell us it's the best one of the best uh, five Christmas movies ever next week. So, well, Christmas Christmas horror movies. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's an important caveat in which I will say going into next week that that history has proven that the track record for Christmas horror movies is not good. Yeah, I've got... Maybe I should send you... I've got the... There's a the list of from Wikipedia of all Christmas horror movies over the years, and you just look at it, and you're like, crap, 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 crap. Well, that one was okay. Crap, crap. <laughs> you're like, oh, that's probably why this isn't a, a, a or common topic of discussion. Do you want to do some honorable dismentions and name some ones you hate Sweet. next week? Maybe. Right. I have full disclosure. The, well, we haven't officially announced it yet, but next week's going to be our top five Christmas horror movie episode. Mm-hmm. As uh, as suggested by Alan in the Facebook group. Yeah. So. so mine is not going to be a list of top five. It's going to be five ones that I feel like talking about next week. Yeah. Fair enough. 
I, I, I will tell you this. There is only one. There's only one I can think of that if one of you puts it in the list of the five best, I'm going to be like, you are a son of a bitch. <laughs> Shit. You know I'm not going to sleep tonight now. I'm going to be staring at that Wikipedia list trying to find it. Just the only one could it be. Which one will make him go off the edge? And it's a movie I've seen several times, so I feel Of bad. course it is. <laughs> but Why it is a bad. liking a movie or disliking a movie make, uh, make you decide when to see it? I, I will say a lot of people, it's it's one that people consider to be a cult classic, and it's, it's just it's a fucking garbage movie. <laughs> uh, I'm really hoping it's my number one. I think it might be what I was thinking. All right. Well, here, so. let's, let's not ruin it. We'll get to it next week. We'll, uh, we'll private message each other and make sure at least one of us talks about all these different <laughs> movies, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> You're both going to get five completely different movies just to expand your chances. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Neither of us gets to talk about a movie we like next week. <laughs> uh. So the, uh, let's see here. The other movie I watched, which I was, again, hoping, trying to find something for next week, and it's a bit of a swing and a miss, a movie called To All a Good Night. Mm-hmm. You guys heard of this one? Heard of it. Don't think I've ever seen it. Well, stop me if you've heard any of these plot points before. <laughs> so, All right. This is a, a 1980 movie, and uh, what it is is it's a bunch of college girls stay behind. Stop. <laughs> 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 wasn't even done. Stay behind. <laughs> is there an escape mental patient involved? Uh, there's, there's, there's this guy doing some killing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, but this one is a little different from other slashers, because in this one, there's this, like, one virginal character, and she seems like she's going to live longer than everybody else. You guys have never seen that before, have you? No. What about the the fact that there's a uh, like a handyman at the college? He's like uh, kind of creepy and weird, and everybody's a little scared of him. And he's trying to warn everybody about what's going on. When he's sort of, they all think maybe he's the killer because he's yeah. so and weird. Have you guys heard of that before? Well, yeah, nobody will listen to him. Well, but in this movie, the crazy guy is named uh, named Ralph. So that's a unique name for that character, isn't it? <laughs> You're doomed, all doomed. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so yeah. Now, what does make this one a little different is that it is uh, directed by David Hess. Mm-hmm. So that's what made me go. Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe Wes Craven fucked that guy up enough during the filming <laughs> of Last House on the Left that when he directs movies, we get some cool fucked up shit. <laughs> and you do get um, a couple of decent kills. There's one where Santa lowers like a noose made out of fishing wire from a tree and hooks a guy. <laughs> and you just see Santa pulling him up. Do you see a woman viciously bite off a man's penis? No, you do not. Then clearly he didn't learn any lessons. <laughs> <laughs> no. What you do get in this, probably the, the highlight moment of this movie is, uh, so there's a couple, the woman gets decapitated for, you know, slasher reasons. And uh, when somebody else goes to take a shower, her head has been just jammed onto the shower <laughs> <laughs> like so the neck hole is just gemmed the shower head's stuck into it so it hangs there and it's one of my favorite reveals in uh, slasher movie history it's just this great moment where she just looks up and she's like ah scream and you just see the head just hang in there does the water <laughs> come out of her mouth no unfortunately not. I'm not sure how much budget they had to work with on this one so, um, that would have been perfect if it had <laughs> but, 
yeah, so I don't know. Overall, this is a slasher movie, and I enjoyed watching it because I enjoy watching cheesy slashers. Mm. But I don't know. I don't know if that's a recommend or a not recommend. It's just one of those. Yeah, if you like slashers, this is one of them. <laughs> this is a slasher. <laughs> there's, you know, like there's probably at least a hundred movies that are equivalent in quality to this that came out between like 1978 and 1985 <laughs> if you feel like watching all of them go for it, it it's always yeah. going to have the problem of if you're in the movie to watch a slasher movie that's Christmas themed and you don't watch Black Christmas you've made a mistake <laughs> no yeah I mean the issue there becomes I watch Black Christmas on Christmas Eve morning every year so I can't watch it right now so I need st- I need other slashers that are Christmas themed to fill my time yeah it just it dam- I, I feel like Black Christmas has damaged that genre completely it's <laughs> it's like well the thing is it's such an early example of like Christmas horror too it's like being from like 74 and you're just like oh it's so good and it just feels like everything else is just yeah but you know anything I guess if there's movies that were made before it maybe you'd be like a little bit more open to them but once that came out it's like well don't you guys that's the bar now good luck <laughs> like right I mean I think it might it might easily be the best slasher movie of the 70s if it wasn't for like Halloween <laughs> Oh yeah, and I think it even belongs in the discussion with Halloween. Like, I, right? I, if you're talking about best slasher movie of all time, you know, I think Black Christmas is in that discussion. And it was so fucking early that it came out. It just feels like everybody else had. Th- th- what, what could they possibly do? Uh, how would you ever match it? And they, most people can't. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's depressing thinking about how no movie will ever be that good again. Do you have anything else? So, oh, yeah, are we still doing the podcast? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's that was it for me. Alright. So. Um, I uh, watched two things. First is a movie called Candy Corn. Uh, sort of an independent horror movie that just came out last year. Or this year, or whatever. Uh, it's got a pretty good setup. There's a uh, carnival that comes to town, and sort of the guy that is the local uh, weird kid uh, ends up getting a job there. And apparently, this group of bullies who, I mean, they look like they're they're in their thirties now. But apparently ever since they were younger, it was a Halloween tradition for them to go and beat this guy up on Halloween. And they're still doing it? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think they're supposed to be like maybe early 20s, but they definitely... I was going to say, maybe this movie was written in the 80s when they were were doing it. They thought 30-year-olds still went to high school. so. Uh, So they decide to go to the carnival beat up the guy and then take all of his clothes so he has to walk down the midway naked or something out of him. So, of course, this is the time that he decides, because he's kind of like, he seems like he's like autistic or something, like he doesn't talk and, um, you know, 
whatever. And so they beat him up, but he tries to like fight back. So that pisses off the main douchebag, and he ends up hitting him, going too crazy, ends up killing him. And the so they take off running, and then the 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 guy that runs the carnival, who is a little person, um, gets really pissed off. And pulls out like a some weird spell book, says like a incantation over top of him, and then it would appear that this kid has come back to life and hunts each one of the kids, the guys down, and ends up killing them. That's fun. Yeah. So pumpkin head with carnies. Sort of, yeah. Also, uh, kind of the crow. Uh, Courtney Gaines from the Children of the Corn plays the uh, town sheriff. Uh, PJ Souls plays his uh, dispatcher. And then Tony Todd plays the Carney guys, like one of his henchmen. Nice. He gets to wear an eye patch. It's pretty nice. Um, and so then it becomes, you know, people finding out, getting killed, police finding them. Oh shit! We need. We should probably go look for this other guy, and then them getting killed, and so on and so on until the uh, the group gets you know whittled down, and then you know what's going to happen. Uh, the movie itself is pretty good. I think it kind of falls apart by the end a little bit, so maybe it doesn't wrap up the way I kind of would have. But I'd say the journey's pretty good. It's a fun, uh, fun premise and some fun kills and, you know, you could do worse for a supernatural slasher. Yeah. Who plays the, uh, who plays the weed person? I don't know. Some dude I've never seen before. I didn't know if it was one of the three. No. Let me see. Let me pull him up. <laughs> see if he's been anything else. One of the three. Listen to you. Makes you know be trying to tell us they all look alike. Well, I'm saying in genre genre horror movies, there's about three little person actors that play every little person. Pancho Moller. Looks like looks like he was in 31, the Rob Zombie movie, and was also just in Three from Hell. Uh, I did not see 31. Yeah, I'm looking through his IMDb. And I don't really see anything that would jump out of me as something that I would have seen. But, huh? Yeah, but yeah, the movie's okay. It's not great. It's not horrible. It has some good moments, so it's worth a watch. If the kills are fun, that sounds like it's enough for a movie like that. Hmm. Uh, the other thing I watched, I was bored and like, I kind of want to watch something cause it was like late and it's like, well, I could go to bed or I could watch something, but I don't know if I want to watch something that I have to like put my hundred percent concentration into. So uh, I'm like, you know what? I haven't watched Halloween four in a while. So maybe I'll watch that. And turns out there's a Joe Bob episode that I hadn't watched yet. So I'm like, well, let's watch that. We'll watch the Joe Bob version of it. Get some fun uh, banter. 
uh, in between segments of the movie. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, Halloween 4 is awesome, and it continues to be awesome, and Joe Bob's banter was always appreciated, and it was a good time. It's Halloween 4. I, I really like Halloween 4. I, yeah. It gets kind of a bad rap because people watch Halloween Halloween 4 later and they're like oh it's not but it's a, it's a completely different movie it's more mm-hmm. of a standard slasher sequel and it's super fun yeah and I think it also gets a bad rap from its association with part 5 yeah Danielle Harris is a great man mm-hmm. she's fantastic it's, it's weird how good she is considering she's a kid actor and kid actors generally suck and it's a low, lower budget movie but they really they got lucky because she's so important Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, if you haven't watched Halloween four in a while, recommend. I mean, it's no three. <sighs> you can ignore <laughs> Noah. Um, and I won't get too far into it, but uh, I watched the first three parts of DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths across the Arrowverse shows. Uh, I don't know. Loving it. Had a great time. I, I, of course, haven't seen any of it yet because I don't have live TV. But... You know you can watch them free on the CW app, right? Right, right, right. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and do it. Sure. Just making sure you're aware. I've I've been doing real good avoiding fucking spoilers. Mm -hmm. And somebody posted a fucking spoiler on Facebook. And I swear to God, I was just like (laughs) scrolling through something. And I was like, God damn it. Was it it me? (laughs) No, it wasn't you, but somebody posted about uh, uh, the whole thing with Oliver mm-hmm. in, in the third episode or whatever, and I was like, you motherfuckers. I was like, that would have been a great thing to just be like, oh, yay. Well, weirdly enough, that was spoiled for me like two months ago, I think. So really? I, just, I was kind of waiting for it. <sighs> But it's been a lot of fun. Just about every episode starts with a uh, moment where I throw my hands up in the air and go, yay, because it's some just weird cameo that was put in for no real reason other than to make people do that. Like the first episode opens up and it's uh, we cut to Earth 89 and the skies are all red because that's what happens during crisis. And we see the bat signal up in the clouds and then we see Alexander Knox from the 1989 Batman movie reading a newspaper. And he's just like, oh, hope you can uh, hope you can figure this out, big guy, as he looks up at the, at the uh, bat signal and then flash a light that Earth is destroyed. And I'm just like, oh, good old Knox. Knox is back. That's kind of funny. Yeah. So there's lots of fun stuff and they even give uh, some characters who were kind of uh, hokey and stuff like good moments so I'm excited and I can't wait for have to wait a whole month for parts 4 and 5 but Here's, I, I do have one question and I suppose it's kind of spoilery but I'm, I'm just curious because they never gave an official answer mm-hmm did a Green Lantern ring show up at all in these three episodes? No. Ah, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. No Green Lantern so far. I'm, I've, I've 
I've watched a couple of clips, and as somebody who doesn't watch any of these shows, mm-hmm. I think this crisis stuff might be worth checking out. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I like that Brandon Routh gets a chance to put the cape on again because I've always felt that he was a good Superman shoved into a really shitty Superman movie. So I just like that he kind of gets a moment to kind of redeem himself, I guess. So, so yeah. I guess we got trailers and stuff to talk about. Yeah. We'll talk about Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman 84. I feel, so, I feel like it's going to either be the be the worst thing I've ever seen or it's going to be the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I don't think it's going to be anything in between. I don't, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Because I, I said this uh, on Facebook the other day to somebody who posted it. If you handed me a sheet of paper and you said, okay, so we made a good superhero movie and we're going to make a sequel. What are the things you don't want us to do in the sequel? <laughs> and if I wrote that list down, every fucking one of those things is in that trailer. <laughs> and I'm like, that is not good signs. All those are bad signs. And I get that everybody's stoked about it, but I do not. They just lost all confidence that that's a good movie. Mm. I could yeah. be wrong. Maybe it's going to be awesome. I'll still go to the theater and see it because the first one was awesome. So, you know, benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt or whatever. But just they, I mean, bring back, they brought back the dead character. They gave her a new stupid fucking suit. They, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. I would like to see another trailer, but I don't know. We'll have to see. I haven't bothered to watch that trailer yet. Yeah. It's very I, I was just, not, I'm still, I was not as stoked with the first Wonder Woman as everybody else was. Mm-hmm. I thought DC just did such a good job of making so many bad movies that when one came out that wasn't terrible, everyone acted like it was great. <laughs> I, I think you're actually right about that. I think a lot like for me like I want to say like 90% of it I really enjoyed I liked her and you know the group like traveling across Europe to confront was it Hades or Ares or whoever the fuck Ares so I liked all that sort of like people on a mission stuff when she finally fights him I wasn't like super impressed with it but just because it was the equivalent of somebody standing in the room and flicking the light switch up and down and just flashy, 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 flashy. <laughs> turns back on. Now only one of the characters is there. Yeah. That, that's a fight in that universe. So. Sure. So we got that trailer. We also okay. got Ghostbusters. Yeah. How are we feeling about that one? I'm also not super positive on that trailer. Oh, Jesus. What are your issues with the trailer, Noah? I think it looks like a trailer for a Goonies sequel. Hmm. Eh, I don't know. Which, I mean, here's the thing. It could be a great movie. I'm not saying... I, I would say if if Ghostbusters wasn't a thing and I saw that trailer, I'd be like, oh, this looks really fun and cool. But everything about that trailer to me screams okay this is just another thing where they're taking some of the imagery from the series and doing a completely different thing with it and I have no fucking interest in that yeah, see, I, I assume 
I assume it's good, the movie's going to be funnier than the trailer lets on, and I assume we're going to get another trailer closer to the date where we see the original mm-hmm. cast returning. Like, I think that's what they're... What they've held back is the stuff that... The fan service stuff. They're, this is more of the get-everyone-interested trailer. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it looks good. Um... You know, like he's Doug just said, we haven't seen anything with the original cast yet, so I'm interested to see how all that stuff is going to mesh together, but, like, the stuff seems interesting. I mean, the idea of of doing donuts with Ecto-1 on the middle of a field, I mean, that's kind of fun, out of context, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just the thing of a movie about a bunch of middle-aged college professors battling ghosts in New York City versus five kids and Paul Rudd in rural Oklahoma. Like, <laughs> this, am I the only person that thinks that that feels way different? And, like, tonally it's way different? I don't know. They, they, once again, maybe it's just a trailer thing. So, who knows? Like, Yeah, we're just going to see what the, what the story is going to be before... I suspect the tone is going to be closer to the original than what this trailer suggests. I agree the trailer has a bit, almost too serious of a tone to it. But I think that that's that's just them trying to grab everyone's attention and then play up the the fun next time. Yeah. So, not good for Noah. 0 for 2, huh? Like I, and like I said, they could just be bad trailers. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'll go see both those opening day in theaters. But, but you won't go see Star Wars. I just don't. I don't fucking care. Mm, so I don't. I don't fucking care enough to sit in a crowded theater. I'll wait until it's not crowded. Mm. The last two. The last two Star Wars movies have not been amazing. They've been okay, best. And I've got Mandalorian to tie me over, so I don't need to worry about all that shit. Well, they moved, if you look at the release dates, they moved the Mandalorian to Wednesday that week, just so that it won't be competing with the other movie. Nice. I might wait to watch it that day anyway, just fuck them. Jesus Christ. Well, now I'm sending you spoilers for the Mandalorian just before I head into theaters. I'll be sitting in the theaters during the uh, previews for The Last Jedi, sending you some Mandalorian spoilers. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Let's talk about next week. We've sort of already talked about it, but we're going to be doing our top five Christmas horror movies as Alan requested on the Facebook group. Uh, Should be a lot of fun. We'll see if... Doug and Noah could not fight each other for a week. Have we, have, have, have we decided on a format for what we're going to do? Uh, we'll each do our five and then each do our four. and Okay. Go that way. So it could be problematic when we start talking about the same movies. Yeah. It was just, well, I mean, yeah, we just won't go too far into it. It was like, yeah, so-and-so is also my number three. And then I think on. we'll do that. We'll, di- we'll get them all out on the table. And then, and then we'll try to see if we can decide on a collective top five. <laughs> Fuck no! I don't have nine and a half hours for us to record next week. <laughs> you know how long it would take the three of us to agree? <laughs> Less time than you Christ. Think. 
We're going to end up with a demilitarized zone between our countries because we can't get along well enough. I think the, I think the funny thing would be I think we would get one to three pretty fast because I think in general we would agree on like okay well these are like the best ones maybe maybe not the exact order but that's fine but the problem is we would get into the stupid nitty gritty of okay well now only one more can go in the list and it'll be like fuck you no fuck you this one. This is this is the best shitty one. Uh, and we should point out that we made the the ruling that no uh, Black Christmas and no Silent Night Deadly Night because those two are just too on the nose for everything. Right now yeah, we can go with Brian made that rule because I don't yeah. agree with this rule. I still want to say Black Christmas five times in a row. Well, yeah. Black Christmas is number one, and then you're doing two through six. See. Uh, and that, but that does mean, uh, you are allowed if you so wish to pick a black Christmas remake or a Silent Night, Deadly Night two through five, or even the remake if you want. And I I amend my statement. If one of you motherfuckers picks a black Christmas remake. (laughs) And, uh, Noah asked if that means that, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night two is in contention because technically that just half of that movie is the first movie. <laughs> you know, that's sure. Why not? First movie, first movie, garbage day. First movie, first movie. <laughs> that's, that's how I remember it. <laughs> it's really, it would be really, I'll tell you what, you know, I, I support a lot of garbage. I would have a really, really hard time trying to argue. <laughs> Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 into a top five list. <laughs> All my arguments would be like, but garbage day. <laughs> I mean, it's a, when you say it like that, it's a pretty solid argument, actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, so now that that's out of the way, should we move on to our weekly Mandalorian discussion? Sure. Yeah. So good. So what the fuck happened to this episode? I'm completely drawn a blank. It uh, was the return to Tatooine episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah, where his ship his ship gets damaged at the beginning and he's got to get some repairs. So yeah, he stops on Tatooine, talks to a woman who looks like she's doing her best Ripley cosplay ever. And I spent the like first like couple of minutes like man, this woman sounds exactly like Amy Sedaris. And then I look closer and I'm like fuck, it is Amy Sedaris. I completely didn't recognize her with her getup on. She's a comedian. She has her own show on. Is it True it, TV right now? I was gonna say you would recognize her from other stuff. Yeah. It's like she's a really funny bit part person who always plays a crazy did you watch the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt yes okay the uh, the crazy ex-wife of Kimmy's bosses ex-husband do you know what I'm talking about the one who's always around trying to pretend they're best friends that's her Okay. Yeah. Uh, the fuck's what the fuck's that lady's real name? God damn it! Uh, 
But yeah, the super rich, annoying lady. Then it's the one. It's yeah. She tries to act like she's her best friend all the time, but she's Looney Tunes. Did you ever watch Strangers with Candy? No. No. Fuck. Sorry. We, I, I don't need to know. We can get back yeah. to our minutes. Strangers with Candy? Candy, a uh, uh, Canadian comedy show? <laughs> Why don't you watch Canadian shows, Doug? <laughs> watch some kid. What? What, what? what happened here? <laughs> How am I defensive? Why don't you? Why don't you tell me you've never seen an episode of Kids in the Hall? You son of a bitch! <laughs> you, you, you traitor to your native land. Um, okay. Everybody watches Kids in the Hall. So yeah, he needs his ship fixed. She says she'll do it, but he uh, was it that he doesn't have anything to pair with or. Either way, he needs to find more money. So, of course, he heads to the most famous cantina in Star Wars ever. Uh, ends up finding this young bounty hunter who's trying to make his name for himself. And he has one of the most dangerous bounties ever that he would be foolish for doing since he's so new. But he makes a deal with the Mandalorian that he can keep the bounty. He just wants the glory and so they set out looking for her, and uh, some shit goes down. They do end up capturing her, but they have to figure out a way to get her back back to town because they're pretty far out. And uh, I don't know. Some shit happens at the end. Played by, uh, what, what's her face? Ming-Na Wen? Is that how you say her Yeah. Yeah, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So what do we think of this episode? Uh. I really liked it. It was a good time. <laughs> Still a good track really record for Noah. The, uh, they really nailed the fan service elements of this. When that bounty hunter is sitting in Han's booth, I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh. now I know there's a set that has that booth and it's still in existence. Now I want to go there and sit in that booth. And I'm <laughs> All just right. like so excited. And there's the little details like when they walk in and you've got a character that doesn't like droids walking into the cantina and a droid behind the bar and they're not getting along and I'm like that's just because that's the reverse of A New Hope when the guy wouldn't let the droids in I'm like <laughs> oh that's perfect they're just they're just nailing it <laughs> they know what they're doing obviously they're just playing it out but that made me so happy yeah the uh, the scene of when they're confronting the assassin out in the dunes and they basically have to make the uh, the nighttime run on the speeders while avoiding sniper fire. That's yeah. fucking awesome. <laughs> what did you guys think of them having to uh, bribe the sand people? Is that a little weird? It's like, oh, so they could have been negotiated with in all those previous versions of them. Well, yeah. That's what I thought was kind of awesome. It's just we think of them almost as like a primitive like type of people. And this dude just walks up, of course, because he's the Mandalorian. He's a fucking badass. Just starts talking sign language and shit and is able to negotiate a deal. Yeah, that's fan, that's fan service to extended universe stuff. Yeah. I liked the idea, too, that he's, when he does... Uh, negotiate the deal they are still primitive he still trades some binoculars for safe passage yeah. <laughs> it's you know <laughs> I kind of I thought it worked I thought it was pretty fun yeah I I was sitting there and you know they're like oh something there's something up ahead 
and I, you know, they kind of see it from really far away. I'm like, oh, is that Banthas? I bet that's Banthas. <laughs> sure enough, Banthas. Goddamn, they put in a goddamn do back. <laughs> that's anti fan service. <laughs> goddamn George Lucas and his goddamn do backs. <laughs> episode i enjoyed it of course there's a uh there's a backstabbing at the end which is always good she basically talks to the bounty hunter guy into telling him like oh it, he's worth way more than i am you should totally turn him in and he's like you're right son of a bitch so <sighs> kills her at least we sort of think so and then takes off but then at the end of the episode we get a uh, we get someone showing up to her body so maybe that. we get a stinger on this episode we yeah. haven't got that the other episodes so yeah so she may not be dead we don't know um, and then there's people are wondering who's the mystery person um Apparently some theories have said it's maybe Boba Fett, which I don't think it is. I've yet to hear an intelligent argument as to why it's Boba Fett. They're like, it must be. And I'm like, why? And they're like, it must be. Um, that's not a solid argument. I don't see why it would be Boba Fett. Yeah. Other than this is a story about a bounty hunter and he's a bounty hunter. I mean, my my guess is it's going to be a new character. Yeah. That makes sense to me. It's going to be some ultimate badass bounty hunter who's been tracking the Mandalorian this whole time, and he's going to have to have some final battle with him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't think it's somebody that we've seen before. So. Because pretty much all the named all the named bounty hunters, I just don't know how they would, uh, like, a bunch of them would be too hard to fucking do. I still think IG-88 makes sense for a big bad guy eventually. You know, mm-hmm. since he killed an IG robot, but yeah, there's no reason why, and there's no reason why you couldn't write any returning character in. I just don't see any evidence that that's what they've done. Right. Yeah. I mean, my my inference is that we're just getting, uh, uh, you know, the quintessential sticking with the Western theme. It's a man in black character. I mean, you even hear spurs and shit as he's walking up to the body. Yeah. <laughs> And you can see the person's wearing a duster or something, and it's all black. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so we'll have to see. I mean, for us, we'll find out in less than, I don't know, probably only, like, we could probably maybe go up and watch right now. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. Right? Now you're going to have to. You're going to work tomorrow, you son of a bitch. Yeah, i got to be at work in seven and a half hours eh. telling me to watch an hour of TV before I'm I go just, to I'm just saying it's, I'm just saying it's, it's possible. I'm not saying you need to do it. <laughs> uh, all right anything else before we wrap up Goddamn damn do-backs <laughs> god damn it noah that's where we're stopping <laughs> makes sense uh all right so we're planning on recording on tuesday then yeah regular time tuesday yep sounds fine yeah. to me After, like, when are you seeing Star Wars, Brian? Thursday. Thursday, me too. So maybe we try to figure out a time to record something about that so we have content the week after. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't, like I say, I don't know. The holidays are going to be tough for me. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. We'll figure it out. What we I'm should down. do one of these days is plan ahead. stuff in advance it doesn't seem likely to happen so yeah you should know better can you put together a clip show you have, you have that kind of time I'm sure I could I just uh, I wouldn't even listen to it I'd just grab audio from segments <laughs> just of random, just random snippets yeah paste them together <laughs> this, this is two minutes from every episode we've done so far <laughs> Yeah, so check out the it's, check out. It's just nothing but the intros. <laughs> yeah, it's like check out the movies that we uh, the movie that we put together by randomly picking two minutes. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.